From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 93, and today I'm joined by Jackie English, an actor, but also the filmmaker whose recent film, Becoming Burlesque, is available on iTunes and various VOD services and platforms, so check that out. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch The Sting. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this film many times. I'm Jackie. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen this, ever. I hope not. You're our virgin for, the, for, the, for tonight. Yeah, so there you go. So you picked this movie. What made you pick this movie? Um, I'm writing a heist, like no, I'm writing a, a Ponzi scheme film. Okay. So I wanted to see some real classic con artistry. Nice. I also have a Ponzi scheme film that I've written. No, but I'm sure they're completely different. It's Ponzi scheme is one of the more common cons that people write about now these days. Well, it's a common con that happens. Yeah. Mine's based on a real con. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is like an inspiration. So this is like uh, research for you. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, I don't think the Ponzi scheme will be the same because mine's a modern story, but I feel like the whole like attitude toward of con, con artistry is probably not changed for many years. No, and this is kind of... Uh, I mean, there's, there's tons of con artist movies out there in the mm-hmm. world. I think, for me, anyway, this is the gold standard. Yes. No, it's, it's, I feel like it's famous for being the gold standard. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I'm kind of astonished that I, I haven't seen it. But at the same time, I'm kind of pleased because now I get to watch it fresh. Oh, I'm, I was so excited when you picked it. It was like, this is the kind of movie I would just put on randomly by myself. So just to have to be able to watch it with somebody else for the first time is such a treat. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what do, you, do you know about the film? Uh, there's a guy and he's going <laughs> to scam some people. <laughs> the most vague description. There's this guy. <laughs> Pretty sure this guy. I feel like he wears a hat. I feel like I've seen a clip, and then he, there was a hat involved. Yeah, there is a hat. There's many hats. Cool. It takes place in the 1930s. Yeah, it's like, so, well, is it black and white? No, not black and white. Okay, but no. it has like a vintagey look. I feel like yeah. I've seen a clip for sure, and there was a guy with a hat, and it looked vintage. Yeah. It's, and maybe it was, he had something up his sleeve or something. Yeah, it was made in 1973, but it takes place in the 30s. Okay. And George Roy Hill, the director, really, really put a lot of effort into like the throwback look and style mm-hmm. and, and vibe. Yeah, he must have because I didn't. I would never have guessed that year for this film. Yeah, it's 73. It won Best Picture. And also, fun fact, it's the first film for which a um, woman won Best Picture. The oh. producer was Julia Phillips, I believe, who one of the producers anyway. Oh, cool. So it was the first time in history a woman won a Best Picture Oscar. Fantastic. And it was for this film. Cool. Which is very male-centric. <laughs> that said. But... Yeah, it's about a guy. I said that already. <laughs> so, well, it's, 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 it's not just about one guy. It's about many guys. There is there, there is a couple. That's not true. There's some pretty decent, there's some really, really great female roles. Okay. But they're not like, 
the leads. Fair enough. But they're great supporting roles uh, in the film. Um, but anyway, that was just fun. That is a fun fact. A fun fact. That this is the yeah. first time in history of this film. Good for, good for her. Good for her. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know the cat who's in the cast? No. Okay, great. No, I won't say. <laughs> it's fun. No, it's, uh, that's what I love about watching old movies, too, is like, as the credits roll, I'll be like, oh, it's this person and that mm. person. It's always fun to... I feel like this will be one of those classic movies, and I don't know if this is true, but sometimes you watch a classic movie and then you start to recognize moments from it just because those moments have been like referenced it became into pop culture like i know that um like casablanca was like that for me i was like all these little moments that yeah. get used as like, like sayings now almost or like simpson jokes it's like, yeah it's exactly like that. yeah 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 Yeah. so sometimes with classic films it there can be elements of familiarity when you haven't seen it oh it's true yeah it's like things that unlock it's like oh that's where that came from mm-hmm. and this and that yeah i know it's fun i've discovered that too uh yeah exciting well let's I don't want to say too much more then because you're in the perfect place for not knowing anything. It's true. But a guy in a hat. A <laughs> guy in a hat. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was their tagline when they released the movie. It's about a guy in a hat. The Sting. Bom, bom, bom. All right, let's watch it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. We just finished. What, what, what did you just say? Repeat what you just said. <laughs> I said that was a great movie. They got it all right. They got it all right. The, the only the only thing on this time around watching was that moment when uh, when Hooker says, "What does he say?" Um, oh, standing by the door. Yeah. She says, um, "The girl at the door says it's like a late night call." She says something like, um, "You know, you can't just come here expecting something." And he said, he says, if I was, I was expecting, expecting something, something, I wouldn't still be in the hall. <laughs> I'd rape you or whatever well, that implies. It's a vague statement, but it has, it's like, uh, he'd come on stronger or something, I guess. He's trying to say, I, I'm a gentleman. Well, yes, but maybe he's not rapey, but maybe he like, he's saying he's, he'd have his like swagger on, you know, he wouldn't That's be fair. just standing there yeah. looking all dopey. But it is, it is the, really the only moment where I'm going, Ooh, it feels dated. Like even when, you know, they're, they're using the N word throughout. In the, in in some of the, in regards to Luther, it's like you kind of understand it because of the context of the period they're portraying, the thirties. Well, he said it about himself. Did anybody else? He say said it about himself. Um, I think it, it comes up two other times, but it's all within the context of, of themselves, and it's like, and that's the word they would have used in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, but I, I I thought like the the those the the there was actually good diversity in this film, and all the characters were sympathetic. Yeah. For yeah. portraying the 1930s. But of course it wasn't the 1930s. It was the 70s. Where yeah. No, but there was a lot of, like, I've read, uh, there's a really great book called The Big Con, which is what this is based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it talks about that. It talks about how it's like, you know, that world is really diverse. It's one of the, it's one of the few, uh, you know, uh, businesses, for lack of a better term, and it was a business, uh, where you didn't matter race, creed, or color, or gender, you mm-hmm. could do okay. Yeah, you know, it's a the, meritocracy. Yeah, there, there really, really was. It was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it was, I mean, I'll, I'll let you talk because I, lo- I love this movie so much. Well, I, I, I really loved, I mean, the, the, the main arc and everything about it is great, but I also really loved the sort of the details of the world. Uh, the detail that I probably had the biggest reaction to was when the 
the, the, the madam there. It's a slow night for the hookers, so she turns on the carousel, and you just have all the girls, like, riding it out, you know, having fun, waving. It's like this... It has nothing to do with anything. It just helps create this it wonderful builds the world, world. Mm. yeah it's such a small thing that yeah it's like that wasn't wouldn't have been cheap to do you would have had them you had to had, hire 10 girls and rent a carousel there's no real reason for it but it was awesome yeah i'm sure they could have snuck that out and put it on put in terms of scheduling had it on the same night they've got them in the bar or something for the background yeah. but but either way it's still one of those fun little it just like you said fills out the world yeah yeah, Lord, when he goes to get his burlesque dancer, and there's this, they just hang just for a little second too long on this, like... Old comedian. Old comedian. He's not even moving his arms. He's just standing there rattling off and you don't even, he's been doing for, you know, his whole life. And you get the punchline, but you don't know what the setup is. <laughs> you have no idea. And it doesn't matter. It's still but funny. But the shot just hangs there. I love those details. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's uh, everything about it. You made a really interesting comment early on about how the color of it it feels almost like it's it, they shot it in black and white and then colorized it. Yeah, it had that like sort of saturated feel. Yeah, and I think it was. I almost certainly was shot in Technicolor, so they would have been replicating, like Gone with the Wind and mm. and stuff like that of the era. Yeah, they were definitely like George Roy Hill was definitely putting a lot of effort into the style of that period. Yeah, and the the, the it's very signature that kind of color scheme. It's like very noticeable and very enjoyable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's an interesting movie because it is like so. This is 1973. It comes out. It wins Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Redford's nominated for the only Best Actor award he's ever been nominated for. Oh, really? He's been nominated for supporting. Okay. Um, and he's won. I think he won one, but he's never been nominated for for lead. Uh, and, I love the acting in this movie. But but you know what? If this movie came out today, this kind of movie, mm-hmm. you'd never think of it as like an Oscar movie, right? No, that's true. I wouldn't really think of it as an Oscar movie. But I liked that the performances were underplayed. Like, the the Irish gangster is like, that moment when he's got his half a million bucks in the case, and he's just sitting there, and he's not moving a muscle. He's waiting for the call. He's not moving. His face isn't moving. But there's just such a feeling of, like, it's what you would be doing in that situation. You'd be so kind of tense and excited and scared that you wouldn't, you know, he wasn't playing any of that, but just his behavior and then the speed at which he looks up at the phone when it rings, like, yeah, told He's behaviorally, giddy. it told us everything that we need to know about yeah. his inner, inner emotional. World. Yeah. That's uh Robert Shaw plays Lonigan. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And he had, apparently he, he injured himself just before the shoot. And so they built the limp in. Oh, really? I love it because, again, it's like one of those small things that like they never reference the limb, mm. but you just paint that, you take that and you're like, something happened to him, he was in some kind of brawl or something, yeah. you, you assume it's nefarious related. Yeah, well, gangsters often have limps. Yeah. They live a rough life. The scene, uh, one, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, and we were getting a kick out of it while, while it was playing, is the, the poker scene on oh, the Oh, wow, Yeah. Yeah, he's just riling him up. He's just being, and and you just feel the, again the sort of understated anger. Like he's he's he has his outbursts, but even between the outbursts, there's just like there's almost like veins pulsing in his head. But and that's but that's how you you hook a guy like that, right? You get him emotionally invested. The same way, I mean, these guys are all doing this uh, as a revenge plot for Luther. Mm-hmm. You know, like Hooker's doing this out of pure emotion, and that's always a dangerous place to operate from because people it's lose hard their cool. Hard to make cool. good decisions, exactly. But that's what you got to do. You got to put this guy on tilt. You got to make him 
you know, react emotionally and not logically because he's going to he's going to overlook details. He's going to. And that's probably why the guy who 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 fixes up the whole thing, he's not revenge motivated. He was a nice line about that in the film where he's just like, you know, I'm doing it because it's worthwhile. Like, there's not, nothing's going to bring Luther back. Like, And I think, yeah, that's probably why he was level headed enough to operate Before. the whole thing because like Robert Redford left to his own devices was, would have just done something crazy well that's just, and even he you find out when um, that moment at the end when uh, Solario is actually the woman from the diner yeah, but remember and, it was funny when they said the name earlier I was like was that a girl's name oh I know and I was like no you can't figure it out this early it's one of the great twists I was worried so, I, so whenever I, I responded to you I was like oh no they do this I try, I try to you be, did you did. You, I, you did, did. You. I thought it was a girl, and then you were like, nah, nah, nah. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm wrong. I tried to brush. I didn't want to give it away, but I also didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to give you false information. Uh, but even well like, they, uh, Gandalf. Uh, Gandalf. Uh, Gondor. Mm. Gondor. Yeah, I think so. It's a combination. It's I'm, a very Gandalfian I'm, name. I'm getting my Lord of the Rings mixed in there. Uh, but anyway, he. You, it's revealed that he had this person basically shadowing. Hooker the whole time Very because caring. he didn't really well he didn't caring but also this guy's got a reputation for scoring three grand and then blowing it that night yeah you know so it's um you know and three grand when I did the inflation calculator it was like what, it was like fifty four thousand dollars yeah and they end up playing this guy for half a million which is about nine million dollars today if you're doing the math from nineteen thirty six mm-hmm. uh. It's amazing, but just, just the level of the operation. That's just inflation. I feel like even purchasing power would be more. Yeah. Then. And what's fascinating too, when you read, um, like, when you read up in this period of time, because as much as like you know they they they've embellished this, it's a movie, uh, but so much of this is not far off from how things went down. Like that many people being involved in one of these operations. Yeah, he goes into this club and there's basically like grifters hanging around with and they have a list of available grifters. Like, yeah. Like welders or something. Who's in town? Yeah, who's in town? Would they just check in and then... Well, because all the major cities would have had operations like this going on. And so... That's crazy. So if you, you know, if you just pulled off a big or even a small con in New York, you probably didn't want to be in New York for a bit. So you'd have to right. Chicago for a little bit. And it did kind of, in a way, remind me of Just for Laughs gags, because those are always setting, punking people. It's a way of punking people and, and taking their money. Yeah. But it's that still that the, 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 the complexity of the scenarios is, is also got that, that uh, punked feeling. Yeah. And but with ragtime music. <laughs> with ragtime music, yeah. I, yeah, I love, I love the scene with the, the people in the waiting for work. Um, so, so, oh, the other detail I was going to say is, is I guess the other reason why the money was so significant at that time is because it is set in a depression yeah. and they did pepper that in that when he's running away from the cop, like again, another big background scene, you know, what really adds to the texture of the film when he's, he's running just for a quick second through a bunch of people living under a bridge with nothing. Yeah. Like a Hooverville, I think they would have called it. Yeah. Right? It's not really re- referenced, but it does give you a sense that. Just little details like Everyone's that. living kind of, like, the money's a big deal, and, and you're, anyone could be a few wrong moves away from having nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, the con men of this era did see themselves as, uh, you know, not second-class citizens, not, like, petty criminals. Because there's petty criminals, mm-hmm. and there was con men. Like, con men had an era of sophistication. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, the whole, yeah. like, con, you know what con stands for, right? 
Actually, I don't know what it stands for. It's short for confidence. So confidence that, trickster, yes. Yeah, confidence man, mm. yeah. So, or... Uh, you get people's confidence. So, the, yes, it's a performance. Yes, you have to, but to do that, you have to be at the level of sophistication yourself. And, and there's uh, there's an intellectual component to the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because cause the idea behind um, the con artist is you never steal somebody's money. They give it to you. Ah, and that ha- that did happen again and again. Yeah, it's like they hand you the money. And even at the end, when they pull off their final sting operation the guy will never know he'll he'll think he'll go for the rest of his life thinking that you know he lost the money from a series of mishaps but he'll never know he was played like that yeah and that's what Gon, uh, gondor says uh at the beginning he says you got to keep on playing him even after the grift is over cause yeah he's got because otherwise he comes back after you that said and i've never seen it there is a sting too okay and all the characters are back. None of the actors returned. Oh, really? And so I think it's like Jackie Gleason playing um, the Irish mob. Well, all that would happen have to happen is that if that guy ran across one of those two men, he'd realize that the, they're gig, not dead. The jig is up, or the gig is up. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember. I've never seen it because I have so much love for this movie, and the <laughs> fact that like none of the original people have returned, I was like, I That's can't tough. imagine it's any good, and mm. I just don't want to see it. You don't have to see. No, it. I don't. I just part of me now that I said it, I'm like part of me kind of was just curious. What, I think I think what I did do was I was curious what the story they told was, so I Wikipedia it just to read it. Right. Uh, and went, yeah, I don't want to watch that. Fair. Yeah. Because this is for it's me, exquisitely done. Like every everything about it, like the storytelling, even the way the camera moves and stuff. It's like it maybe I don't know if it's as like quote unquote sophisticated as like the way cameras move today, but it's the storytelling is like. It's so on point. You always see exactly what you need to see when you need to see it in a way that's stylish and ineffective. And there's little, I mean, there's very few little, like, uh, extra flourishes they give, like, the girls on the on the merry-go-round. Mm. Uh, but everything is just very simple and very economic. Like, they have, there's that great moment where uh, uh, Selino shoots the other hitman who's going after Hooker, and then as it pans down to see that guy hit the ground, you pan over to the man cover where mm. you realize, oh, that's how he escaped. Yes. So they're just combining stuff like and that. They, yeah, they just, and just answers that unspoken question that we were all like, it would have bothered us if they hadn't revealed it. Yeah, but even for comedy, like when they take over, when, when they're in a pinch because um, Lonigan wants to see the, the Western Union office. Oh, yes, like, I love that scene. And so, but then the the, painters? The, there's that great shot where um, I can't remember the character actor's name, but he walks out the back door and then it pans over to the guy coming back from his office going, what, Where are they It's they like go? this terrible color of green that didn't even finish <laughs> it's it. It's so bad. Yeah. It's, it's so bad. Yeah. That's really fantastic. And I also kind of, like, how many people are on the take in this film? Like, the cops were taking money. The the porter on the train was taking money. Uh, you know, the guy in the um, the Russian roulette table. Even being a con artist, he still walks in and gets conned right away. Yeah. Like, the layers of, of but con he should, on con. And, but he should know better. But he doesn't. Yes. Yeah, and that's Hooker's problem. He should have bet small increments and made back the money. And, but even at the end, when... Um, uh, he he goes uh, to give him his share. He says, uh, "I'd only blow it anyway." Yeah. Like he doesn't do it for money at the end. That that whole big con. No. You know, because that's the kind of guy. But even what's interesting, like that book, the the big con talks about too. The idea that it's like you know these guys walk away and they do these big scores, but they live these lives where you know it's not long before they need to do another one because but that's what goes with the personality type. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel if you're like. 
you know, you have to be kind of a risk-taking personality type. Yeah. But also you got to look at it. It's like, so, you know, it's 500 grand they take from this guy at this era. How many people are in that room? Like every single person, like how many people are part of this operation? That we have, we have, like the, they said about 30. Yeah. So the overhead cost of this. And the rental was like five grand and then they got a, yeah, they spent some money luring him in. That's still a good take though. That's well, they good. used his money to lure him in. Oh yeah, that's true. That they won in mm-hmm. the poker game. Yeah. I love the moment, too, where they realized they didn't have the money to to give him money the second time, so they just blocked him, so they were able to prove their point. Yeah, they, they just, he needed to see that the race worked again, mm-hmm. but they couldn't afford to hand over that money again mm-hmm. the second time. The first time they wanted to, so you could see that it's real, right? But it's great, sure. and, and, and you, you pointed out, too, while we were watching, uh, especially in that last scene where he's going in to make the $500,000 bet, and how they're like... He, they could have just taken that money like that, but they don't. They're, yes. They gave him a big stink, which is very believable. Like, the guy's, like, sweating. The guy who was supposed to take the money, he, like, sees it. He's just a sweat. He goes over to the manager. But that's, yeah, very believable. Again, that's the confidence aspect. He has to now insist, you have to take my money. Right. Take it. And they use that they use that kind of reverse psychology a couple times. Like when the FBI guy, when they're trying to sort of trap the police officer, yeah. he walks in, he, he makes him wait, and he's like, shut up, you know, like, wait, like, sit down, or like, I'm ready for you when I'm ready for you. Even though, really, like, they would be thrilled that he arrived, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that they got that far. And then, um, yeah, there was, there was a couple times where they use that sort of yeah. um, push back to create a, a bigger pull. You have to at some point, uh, and sooner rather than later, rewatch the movie <laughs> because it is even now. I've watched this movie probably a dozen times yeah. or more, and every time I watch it, I'm just like, "Oh, it's so like you," because you know I know behind the curtains of every little piece of it now. Mm-hmm. But it's so delightful just in like as a writer mm-hmm. watching, going, "Fuck, it's so good." Like, not mm-hmm. a moment is spared, not a piece of information. Mm-hmm. Like, even when they're getting ready to go off for the finals, the sting. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, the fake FBI guy turns to him and he says, hey, look, as soon as this goes down, you got to get him out of there. I heard that, yeah. Because he's a high-profile member. And But you, as the first-time viewer, you're like, oh, well, of course that makes sense. Of course they want to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. But the reason is, he, that's basically setting up the final, them, or them getting away yeah. with it. He's like, pull him out. <laughs> I know. It's very, very uh, ingenious. And they just they, they all lie so easily and well. <laughs> You know, like when the painter said something like, uh, you know, it's like, well, if you want to be here with a tarp on you or something, you know, or the girl when she's lying to the cop and she's like, the chief of police is down the hall, guaranteeing he's never going to go into the room where the, the guy he's looking for is playing poker. Yeah. You know? But she said, go ahead. Go she's, if you she, want it. Yeah. Because she's not, because if she stops him, it's going to look suspicious. Yeah. But she's like, go ahead, go down the hall. But, but I, I think the real thing I learned from this film is that I, I would be a terrible guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Far too, far too, uh, it's just, the, it's just the, you've got to have nerves of steel mm-hmm. and, and it's just really about like really buying into what you're doing. Nerves of steel, but also like, like a real finesse with somebody else's psychology. Like you really... Like, I mean, we're watching it. We're like, yeah, that makes sense. They would react that way. But, um, like, you have a lot of confidence that people are going to react a certain way. 
Yeah, you've got to hope. Well, they, but it's it's the kind of thing, and they don't necessarily show it in this movie, but there are con movies that that do this uh, more. But the idea of them having to react at the last minute, like they do set things up, and sometimes they don't quite go off. Mm-hmm. Like them having to improvise at the Western Union office at the last minute. That's that's one moment you yeah. get to see them going. Ah, oh, we didn't. We don't have a fake office set up, yeah. so we've got to actually use the real Western Union office. Yeah, but even with the guy going into the poker game, like he didn't know this guy. He's never met him. You know what I mean? No. So he was doing all that stuff, but if the guy had had a slightly different personality, he might have just found the whole thing hilarious. Yeah, but that's them knowing who this kind of person is. And, yeah. And his like his whole purpose of going in there was to piss him off. Just piss yeah. him off. So that way Robert Redford could swoop in and be like, hey, you want to get him back? This is mm-hmm. how you do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing so is... So crafty. It's so... I mean, Ooh. he bursts into the room. He's like, sorry, I'm late. I was taking a crap. <laughs> and then he's burping. He's <laughs> yeah. Paul Newman in that scene alone was just phenomenal. It was interesting. They didn't want to cast him originally because they said that Paul Newman couldn't do comedy. And so he like went after this role so hard because he wanted to prove that he could. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, he's not necessarily like playing it for comedy, which is always my best, my yeah. favorite thing in comedy. Anyway, he plays it for the scene, and no. the scene is funny. And you, I mean, and you wouldn't, you know, classify this movie as a comedy. Yeah, either. no, but that's that's. I mean, that, there's lots of funny moments still. Well, it's also not a drama. It's like oh no no. It's 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 like uh, I'm not even sure how you class. It's a con film, mm-hmm. but it's because it's like it's, heist. it's a heist film. It's a heist film, but it's fun as hell. Yes. It's so fun and sweet and charming. Um, and I love the de- the details in the actors' um, performances, too, like the specificity of their actions, like when he's trying to sober up. So he doesn't just... You could have easily just gone over to the sink and splashed some water on his face, yeah. but he doesn't. He runs the water. He goes and gets a giant chunk of ice. He goes back. Gets an he, ice chow- he ice picks it, and then... <laughs> He pours, you know, then he sticks his whole head in the sink. Like, that's really detailed, you know, like, Uta Hagen, like, object work kind of level detail. Yeah. Or even Robert Redford. I know he was, like, stirring his coffee with the back end of the fork before using the front end of the fork to eat his pancake. Like... It's just little the, things. It, but it makes... It, I don't know. To me, those little, like, details and behavior really, really bring character to life. It's also, there's a way that Robert Redford holds a coffee cup in this movie with, like, the fingers you would never use. Okay. He almost uses, he uses middle finger and his ring finger. Yeah. On his, and he, like, folds it around. It's so interesting, and I notice it every time that he's doing it. And it Does he only do that in this movie? I don't know. Is I'd that how to, Robert Redford holds a coffee cup? I'd, I'd have to study <laughs> movies wherein it's Robert Redford right drinks there. coffee. But it's like it's almost like you get the sense that it's like his character broke it, broke something in his hand sometime, and that's like a comfort way to do. It. I don't know what it is, but it's yeah. just a small detail that it's like it stands out to me mm-hmm. that that's not the normal way you pick up a cup of coffee. Yeah, and but all all the way characters interact with objects reveals a lot about them without any words, and I thought this film did that very well. Yeah. Hmm. And everyone's wearing a hat almost all the time. Except for the bad guy. Really? The I don't guy? think he oh. ever wears a hat. I think maybe when he's golfing, he's got... Um, yeah. The other the other thing that we mentioned, we talked about during the film, too, is when they're all squished in the car together, <laughs> they're trying to look like thugs and badass thugs and whatever, but the car is so small, they're all like crammed right in there. It's, and it's a very unglamorous way to like try to look stern. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love the I love the main uh, thug that Doyle Lonigan's <laughs> got with him. Like his face is such a great face. Makes it me, is a great makes face. Makes me think of like Dick Tracy type gangsters. Like just like the shapes on his face. It's round, but it's also hard hard face. Mm-hmm. Like the guy doesn't have very many lines, but no. he has such a presence in the movie. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of looks. Yeah. Man, it was, it was, it's, it's, I don't know, it's interesting, we've been talking about, like, inside the movie a lot, which usually is the sign of a good movie, too. If you find yourself talking about, you know, the inside world of the movie instead of about the movie as a movie. Yeah. It means that I've been sucked in, which means that it's a good movie. Yeah, and this movie sucks me in, like, every, even now, I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was in high school, um, and my, my drama teacher just had like a stack of old VHS tapes of old movies in the drama room that you could borrow and take out and watch. And so I was just going through them. I was like, I think it was the only one that ever took them home, Mm -hmm. but I would go through, I would take one at a a time and then always bring it back like the next day. And this is one that I just grabbed randomly going, Oh, it's some old movie, whatever popped it in. And it was just in awe for the rest of the afternoon Mm -hmm. after I watched it going, what did I do? And I probably watched it three more times that weekend and was just, and just because it was another one of those times where I'm like, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, no, it's it's so it's so satisfying too. Like when the when you peel back the layers of the con, and there's more and more. It's very satisfying. Well, just that opening, that opening, that opening con mm. where you're introduced to Robert Redford and this world. And it's like it's so. I won't. I mean, we're spoiling everything, so it doesn't really matter. But mm. it's just like how simple that con is, but how ingenious it is, and that's what I think is kind of really alluring for a lot of people is like the romanticism the romanticness of like of all of these the intricacies of these details that you have to because you have to it's it, it's psychology like the way you're saying of having to understand human behavior mm-hmm. and, and and when you rewatch it it's like you notice there's that moment where so those three guys are in on this scam where uh you know this one guy is robbed luther he's running away with the money and they're running towards um, Robert Redford and this other guy, the Mark, mm-hmm. and Robert Redford no- knows sees the guy let, sees the Mark let the guy get by him, mm-hmm. knowing that it's like this is not a guy that's going to stick his neck out for anybody. Yeah. So they automatically know, okay, he's ripe to play. Yeah. You know, just from that moment alone, they need they know pretty much all they need to know to play this guy. Yeah, yeah. I also thought I think it was kind of nice how there was a lot of like trust within the grifters like they didn't seem to screw each other over at all no where the cops were like you know taking bribes and this and that on the side and the the bad guys yeah the yeah but exactly the honor among thieves it was really present in this movie yeah they're all like really loyal to each other and then but but what's great story-wise is they play with that when they start to make you think that hooker is gonna betray Mm. um gondor uh, gondor yeah, and that's what the part that when I first the first time I watched it when they and you even said when we were watching it oh the plot thickens mm-hmm. when the FBI comes in because you're going because you because they start to uh, they use Luther's wife as the collateral damage it's like well if you can't protect yourself at least protect her and it's like and you buy that it's like yeah he would turn Gondor over to protect Luther's widow yes which he which has is to. which is perfect writing as well because. It it um, even though we're now stressed about the situation and we we are worried about the betrayal, we are not against him. Like we don't 
we understand his predicament. So we're yeah. not like, yeah, we're not, we're not thinking he's a bad guy. Yeah. But you've, but what's great is you've also, cause you've also got to convince, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, the, the cop, the dirty cop. You got to convince this dirty cop that Hooker will do this and we'll go along with it. True, right? true. Because even when he when Hooker's brought in, he's like, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know what you're talking about. Like the, yeah. the, the interplay between him and the fake FBI guy is amazing because they're. You know what? <laughs> I gotta rewatch it now that I know the FBI is fake. Because when I was watching it, I thought they're real FBI. But that's the part that blew my mind the first time I watched it. it was because it's so convincing. Yeah. That side of it, like they're in this crappy little building off to the side, and and just all that, like that was something that I was just not expecting. You know what? You know what? Grift or con jobs and grifting have in common with with films, in general, is that background really makes it or breaks it. Yeah. <laughs> like all the all, the, all the BG, but all the BG too, like the extra co- the extra FBI agents, the ones walking around for coffee, the people in the in the sting operation, like. You know, the, at the the at the racetrack, they're like making their bets and playing their bets and lining up. Like, like you can't you can't fathom walking into an establishment and thinking that the thirty people behaving normally in a room are all part of a scam to target you. If you start talking like that, you're like paranoid. So yeah, well, they said essentially they're 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 doing a scene from a play. Yeah. With one person who doesn't have the script. Yeah. You know, and th- there's a great moment in. Uh, is it the first time Lonigan comes to the racing floor where the one guy who is part of the original grift mm-hmm. that get his nose smashed in where they're like, he's nervous. And they just stay in the background the first time around. And then Lonigan ends up sitting beside him and he goes over the top and he's like, go on chancy, go on chancy. And Robert Redford looks over and I'm like, shut the fuck. What are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was his first one. But it yeah, is. But, that, that was that. Yeah, you're right. That little hint of like overperformance or going too far, nerves getting to you. But it's but is it? But it's great because you brought that up. But they do the movie does talk kind of talk about that level and layer of that mm-hmm. world where it's just like it's got to be everything's got to feel so authentic. Yep. And so they get him out of there, and they bring the old guy in to sit down beside him, mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows enough to shut up and not overdo it. Mm-hmm. Or lay on the thing, but that guy keeps on doing it every time he runs into shot. He's like, "Hey, you should have put your money on this guy." <laughs> it becomes that annoying asshole at yeah. the track. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's one of those movies where I'm like, I have so many thoughts on what 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 you could do to update it and, and remake it, but I'm also like, oh, you can't remake this movie ever because it would just be sacrilege. I don't, yeah, I don't I don't know why. I mean, that's a the whole other topic but i i'm not really i don't really know why movies keep getting remade that's because you got to build an audience is the reason why you do it well i know i know the financial reasons but i like i i don't i don't really um i feel like if it ain't broke don't fix it no and that's why i like um like movies when they read when they take a movie that almost worked like it has a really great idea and core Mm. and, and and it happens very infrequently and they remake that and it's like, and they make that better. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the, like the closest example I can think of recently is the remake, the fourth remake, technically, of A Star is Born. Um, mm-hmm. Which is really, but that version is like almost a remake of the Streisand version because they're taking the, mute, the, the rock star aspect, which in the first two, they're actors. So it's like, if you look at it, that being a remake, because the Star, Barbara Streisand Star is Born, I think is not very good. It doesn't hold up well at all. 
Mm. The new one, I think, took all the stuff that they were working and playing with and made it a lot better and Mm -hmm. figured it out. And that's really the trick is to take a movie that was okay and had great elements but didn't quite know how to put them all together. I don't think you could do that with this movie. No, it's great. This movie's perfect. It has all the elements. No, the only thing I would want to do is I think I'd probably expand, like, the Billy character and give her a bit more to do. Yeah, Um, it was a very man-heavy movie, for sure. Yeah, I'd want to play with that kind of stuff. But in terms of the mechanics of the story, I don't know how you would improve upon it. It's pretty Mm -hmm. amazing and perfect. And it, 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 um... It presents a writing challenge too, or it, it, I mean, our modernizing it would present a writing challenge rather, because, you know, at the time all the phones like you don't have to sit in a drugstore and wait for a call, and and the, he would have the photo of the guy so fast, you know, of the guy that like the half the half the play works because the guy he's hunting is the guy who's playing him and he doesn't know what his face looks like. With yeah. the modern technology, that would be almost impossible to to not have a picture of the guy. Of yeah. Robert Redford, I mean, for the gangster. Yeah, unless you were one of those criminals who just really lived off the grid so much that you, yeah, you'd you never been picked up by the police and you weren't in any of the books or any of that kind of stuff. But you're right. It's, it makes modern... But even like when they talk about... There's a, there's a kind of a throwaway line in there when they're talking about the cons they're going to do to him. Mm-hmm. And they mention... And they, and they pick the wire. And mm-hmm. they're like, do you know how to play the wire anymore? Like, they're, they, even that's outdated for them and that's why they pick it. Yeah. Because it's something old that can't really be traced... Even yeah. in then, it's still kind of, they're playing out of date. And that's almost how you have to do it now. You'd have to convince the con. It's like, we need to do everything off the off the grid mm-hmm. because that's how we can keep it. That's how we can make the money. If we do, if we do like money transfers through banks, well, you can get, you know, go to jail for fraud if we're caught and this and that. So mm-hmm. it's like, you just need to bring us whole, whole hard cash. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it's how you have to make it now. You almost have to make a point of part of the plot and part of their con being convincing the mark to do everything off the grid. Yeah, cash cash is still king in that way. But the sort of the fact that nobody knows what anybody looks like would be hard to pull off in a yeah. modern era, you know. Yeah, that's the challenging aspect of mm-hmm. it. Makeup. <laughs> they just do the Mission Impossible uh, face replacement masks. Right. Yeah, that would make it harder. Uh, but you also just shouldn't. This movie should never be remade. And if it was, I don't think you'd set it in modern day anyway. They'd probably still make it, period. Although maybe you'd, you'd amp it up and make it the 70s. But even all, a lot of these cons weren't happening then. Like, all the cons that happened, it, it would be a totally different con. Mm-hmm. Because um, those... Those cons were already kind of going out of favor by the 1940s. I have trouble believing that. The, the, I mean, the the complexity of the con. I, I mean, it's it's really fun in a movie, but I, I'm still like, it blows my mind to think that anybody was like doing these kinds of. Ruses. You got to read that book because a lot of it. When I read that book, it's interesting too. A little fun fact for Canadians listening to this: uh, the character that Robert knew, or Robert. Uh, Paul Newman is based on is based on an, a guy who is not named uh, Henry Gondor. It's something else, and they're a Canadian. Um, you know where in Canada? I, I could grab the books downstairs. I could find <laughs> it out because it's it's so the, again. This book is called The Big Con, and um, and it tells a lot of the a lot of stories of these kind of cons, and it, and and so a lot of the, as far fetched as this stuff seems, um, like this is how these things worked. 
and how, how intricate they were and how many people were in on these things. And what they do, they did what, it, what normally would have been like this, this bedding room they've got in the movie mm-hmm. is what would normally be called this, a store. Mm-hmm. And so each city had a number of these stores. And the idea would be more that you wouldn't set this up for one guy. Right. It'd be more the idea is like this store is set up and you've just got people in there all the time and, and they're hired just to be basically background mm-hmm. uh, in, in the store. And you would just have a rotating group of people you bring, you're conning and bringing in and out of the store. Right. Um, and doing a similar thing with, but you'd schedule them. So it's like, oh, we're conning person A. They're going to be coming in between 1 and 3 p.m. And yeah. then after that, it's going to be person B between 3 and 5. Mm-hmm. And you do like, like eight people a like day. It's a show, basically. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like doing, yeah, it's exactly that. It's doing different shows. You know, I was, I was conned one time. I was part of an elaborate con, but it wasn't for money. I, to this day, I don't know what the con was for. But I was playing with my band at, at New Year's Eve at the Windsor Arms Hotel. It was a Beatle tribute band. And this guy comes up to us in between sets and, uh, and he's, he's got this ring in a box. And he's like, you know what I really want? It's New Year's Eve. I want to propose to my girlfriend. And he's like, and I don't even think he's going to play baseball or something. And we're a band. Like, we're happy to do that. I mean, you know, pe- that people, it's not unusual to make a request like that to do a shout out or something. And that usually would make the show better anyway, right? Because yeah. people love that stuff. So we're like, sure. So we're like, all right, when we play this song, we'll get to this part. We'll vamp on this music. You can come and do this thing. And so he did, and they became sort of the darlings of the night, you know, like everybody's congratulating them all night because it was this very public proposal and public yeah. acceptance of the proposal. And I found out like a month later, it was all a ruse. It was just something they did. Probably get free drinks all night. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, that's maybe. the best explanation I've heard so far. Maybe <laughs> if people were buying them drinks all night. <laughs> I don't know. I thought maybe it was just to be like the bell of the ball for an evening. I don't know, but... Yeah, maybe people buy them drinks. Uh, my friends and I used to do that in college for free dessert at restaurants. We'd sing happy birthday to our friends at the restaurant. Right. And then they'd bring you around free dessert. Yes, I've, we'd, yes, we'd, I've we'd heard take, that one. And we'd take turns over the but, free dessert. But I guess, yes, I guess so. I mean, but it, it, seemed, it seemed like the amount of like acting, like backstage, like that's what reminded me of the cons from this movie. It's like backstage, the guy was like nervous and he was like revving himself up to do this. And, you know, like he was doing that. the whole part. And... and I guess we were conned, although it didn't really take anything away from us. So we were, it was just a little I bet you were, how old were they? I don't, late 20s. Yeah, they were probably just trying to scam <laughs> free drinks on the <laughs> So they bought, they go to the Windsor Arms and then they try to get free drinks. Sure. Why not? Did it work? Were people buying them drinks I don't know. Night? I was playing in the band. I don't really don't know if anyone was buying them drinks. People were congratulating them, right? You said oh, there was that, a couple yes. Everybody was like t- talking to them and congratulating them and... Come, strangers are coming up to that. They were definitely like sort of the celebrities. Guests they might the have just done it for fun. You know, I had a friend of mine in in high school, and she and I would go to restaurants, and we would just pretend to be different people, and mm-hmm. we would do accents mm. with each other, uh, and then just and but just stay in that. We never reference our accents unless mm-hmm. the waiter or someone asked. But we would just do that for fun, just to amuse yeah. ourselves. And we weren't like scamming them in any real way other than seeing if we could convince them yeah. of this thing. And that was just to This guy had ourselves. to plan it. He had to bring a ring in a box and stuff. I think it was just for free drinks. I think that's probably the best explanation. I can't think of anything else he, they, he got out of it unless he was scamming somebody in the room. But I yeah. love that kind of stuff. I'm a, I'm a sucker for for this kind of thing. I've always wanted to... 
to write a con story. But I, I get stuck in, in looking at a movie like this as my touchstone. And I'm like, I can't mm. beat that. At least I haven't been able to yet. And so if I, if I can't beat that or try to or do something at that level, it's like, what's the point? Well, the tricky thing, too, is that, you know, we learn as we go. So now that we've seen a thing like this, like when this came out, too, it'd probably be the first sort of con movie, no? Like with a complex thing like this. I think th- this complex... It would have melted everyone's minds, yeah. Yeah, th- there was this complex with this many, like, double... Yeah. Not double crosses, just more like layers yeah. to the con. Yeah. For sure, this would have been... So to do once now we've seen this, if you were to write it in the next con, it would have to have extra layers. Yeah, and that that's almost the... The problem now with modern audiences is you're... Everyone's expecting the double, triple twist. Yeah. You know, so it's figuring out how to do that in a way that feels natural and organic, but you actually get away with it. And that's the real trick is is getting an audience to go along with it and not see what, where you're going. Because they're smart, because yeah. people are smart. When they but go and you don't want to do like, like a random tri- tri- twist because that's not satisfying. You want the... the, the no, it's got to be organic. It's got to fit. Yeah. But, and that, that's, 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 that's what really makes it tricky. tricky. Because people go into a con movie going, oh, the movie's going to con me myself. The closest movie I can think of to it is Mastic Man. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. <gasps> Mastic Man is so fucking good. <laughs> no, it really, really is. Um, it's, uh, it's. Did you say Mastic Man? Match, Matchstick Man. Matchstick it's, Man. It's uh, Nicolas Cage, Sam Rockwell, directed mm-hmm. by Ridley Scott. It's probably my. After this, it's one of my favorite con artist movies. Okay. And that one in particular is like emotionally devastating. <laughs> it's great. Mm. Um, I, I highly recommend that. I'm not sure. It, it's it's pretty, I think it's almost, what, 10, 15 years old now. Right. Uh, so it's, uh, I don't know if it's on Netflix or not, but it's, but it's, I'm sure you could rent it on iTunes or it's, av- it's, it's widely available to be seen. It's another great, phenomenal it's one of Nicolas Cage's best performances. Mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell is delightful as always. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's, it's charming and heartbreaking and beautiful and life affirming. And, and it's a fun. lot of things. It's a lot of things. Mo- it's movie. a great movie. I can't, I can't speak highly enough of Matchstick Men. And I don't, I won't, I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah. I don't, I don't like to go in fresh because, uh, it's it's another good one. It's another good one that has a legitimately uh, surprising end, <laughs> um, but a, but a great 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 ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think of any others. There's some good ones. So that assassin, because she didn't want that was a complex that was a complex play on her part too, because she she took him in she flirted with him she took him into her apartment. Um, I assume like slept with him. Yeah. And then just happened to walk by him the next day on the street. Not just happened. That's when she was going to do it. Yeah. yeah, No, I know. But I mean, from like, um, you know, like she didn't have to take him into her apartment in order to walk by him on the street. No, it's almost like, well, to sleep with him. I mean, it's almost the kind of thing where it's like, I don't want to say that was the cherry on top, but it was more that was, I mean, for her, it's like the idea that it's like, again, it's like, it's, it's another confidence trick as opposed to. Her chasing this guy down and trying to kill him—it's more like get her, get him to come to her, right? Because when he saw her, he like his eyes widened and he like walked towards her, like because he was yeah. happy to see her. Would have been the easiest kill mm-hmm. in the world for her. And really, the only thing that saved him the night before is that little old lady across the hall opening the door. 
Mm, yes, because she realized she was being watched. She realized someone saw him there. Mm-hmm. And so that's that the only was thing. Very short. Yeah, very, very quick little mo- very quick throwaway moment. Mm-hmm. Um, a funny moment, too. Yeah. And in reality, who knows if that was that woman's name. If, if you know, if she was just to making it seem like she, again, adding layers to the, her yeah. story. You know, really simple. And then the guy kind of explains it, the exposition later. He's like, no, she's a pro. She, uh, too many people saw you go in. That's why mm-hmm. she didn't kill you in the night. Yeah, they did a good ex- a job, too, of explaining questions as I had, the, I had them. Yeah. Because like, okay. every time you're on, like, just wait. They're gonna, <laughs> give, it, give it one or two scenes. They're going to tell yeah. you. Yeah. Like, even on the golf course, when the guy was talking about the, the like, the grifter, I was like, why does this big-time gangster care about one little grifter? Like, it seems like a lot of effort. And then right away, they explained it. He explained it. He's like, well, I can't keep the respect of these people trying to take me over if, if I... If I'm seen to be weak, basically. Yeah, if one little grifter can get get the better of me, mm-hmm. and and you buy that, and then that's and again that's a great little character moment for learning about Lonigan going. Oh, mm-hmm. this is a guy that does it, and they even say later on they say this guy kills for pride. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. He, uh, and you see that anger when he gets taken uh, on the train, the poker. He's like, take him back. Stick he does a, not stick like a, to lose. Stick a knife in his ear. It's like, we're driving to the station, man. Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I can't let it go. And that's when when uh, a Hooker knows he, they've got him. You yeah. Know? He's the, he just wants to get weakness. this guy back. And there and that's and I love that's what I love like that constant every time they run into each other Newman and Shaw like he's just constantly still needling him he's like make, and you know he comes to lay the bed he's like make sure you see the money yeah yeah <laughs> <He's> just, <gasps> just needling him. like when he when he when he you know when beats him at poker and he goes to pull out the money to pay him and he doesn't have it and Rob and and Paul Newman like pulls out his billfold. He's like, when you come to the to the table, you bring your money. He's flashing his own money that he stole from it in front of him. Yeah, it's it's so good. <laughs> it's so much good. I I love the old billfolds, those mm-hmm. big giant wallets. Mm-hmm. Well, girl wallets are still pretty big. Yes. Yeah, but that was the but uh you know men don't have. I've never seen a modern wallet that has that that. For men like that, because they no. they wouldn't have folded the money over, right? They yeah, they wanted to keep the money flat, flat and crisp and clean. Mm-hmm. So they had these like giant, long like. And you probably had to carry around a certain amount of money. This is like before credit cards or other forms of transporting. Yeah. Income. If well, you didn't have cash, you did not have money. No, you'd have to go to the bank. You'd have to wait. You'd have to order it'd be a check or yeah. Yeah. Well, you they couldn't were wa- buy anything unless you had cash. Yeah, and for legal operations like that, like they're running around like he had what like fifteen, twenty grand in his wallet. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's fifteen twenty grand in that that money back then. That would have been uh, over a hundred grand. That would have been like a hundred and fifty grand, mm-hmm. just in more. his wallet, just in yeah, on his person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy, yes. Crazy amount of money. Credit cards are convenient. Credit cards are very and convenient. Bank cards did not exist back then. No. Easy to steal people's money. Yeah. yeah, you know what? It'd be harder to become a grifter now and, and con people because people don't necessarily carry a lot of cash. I guess no. that's why the cons of now are like more like digital identity theft and stuff. Well, it's all those emails you get where it's just like, hey, even you've inherited right. $2 million. But that's like a spam email. That's just. But like, here's the thing. It's like, because I've talked to people about this, uh, and, and and the thing is that it's like, you know, we get those things, and we know that's and we mm-hmm. know that's a spam email. But yes. here's the thing: so they send that out. 
to like a thousand people, ten thousand people, a hundred thousand people. Yeah. They only need one. I know. To buy it and do it, you know. But yeah, that's what I mean. The tactic is different. You're not really crafting a presentation for one or two people. Yeah. You're just making something. And and there was a there was a video going around about somebody who was able to get identity information um, over the phone from a service provider. Did you see that video? This girl. No. It was part of showing how easy identity theft was. It's she just pressed a button. She played a crying baby off her laptop. And she's like saying, oh, you know, like, oh, sh- um, yeah, I know what my husband usually does this. But I just, I just, and, and the person's like, you know, giving. And she ends oh. up actually getting enough information to like do searches for the person's like further information. So Crazy. It's all it's all on the webinet now. Yeah. The other thing that kills me is like when you get the uh, emails from like, uh, Apple going and say, "Oh, here's your receipt for this thing, but it didn't. But it went through. We think we need to issue a refund. Just click here, and you'll get your refund." Mm-hmm. And it's like this. First of all, I didn't rent this. Yeah. And, but the thing that kills me about though, I don't know if you've gotten like specifically these Apple ones, <laughs> is that they send you and they do a really amazing job, like copying a rece- what an Apple what a receipt looks like when I get something from the iTunes store, right? Yeah. But. The amount of money for the items is way off. It's not even close to what the amount is. So it's like a rental of a movie. It's like $54.32. I'm like, where is this not? Like, how did you <laughs> fuck that part up? Yeah. How did you screw up that minute detail when you've got like the layout and everything else looks perfect? In a way, I think that's probably protecting us from these like real-life grifters because it's so much safer to hide behind your computer and run a con than actually go up to somebody and... Take that risk. Yeah, but you, but we, we, we also live in a time people come to your door. It's like legitimate companies do do cons and grifts. Like if you own a, <laughs> if you if you own a, no, but if you own a house, like the one thing I I warn people when they when they buy a house or they're moving a house, I was like, the day you move or the day after, you're gonna get a knock on the door from somebody that tells you they're from your gas company to come in and just make sure everything's set up. And what they're doing is they're switching, and then by the time they leave, they just need you to sign this piece of paper saying that they were there. And what you're doing is you're switching gas companies. Yes, yeah, that's that's an old timey. But they still do it. It still happens all the really? time. We I get. I thought they banned door to door anything. No, nope. well, sure they banned it, but that doesn't mean they stopped doing it. Right. But it's like even like we get phone calls from it's like oh we're your gas company. It's like oh okay, which yeah we're just gonna come by and do a, uh, the annual inspection. And it's not them. They're coming by to get you to sign this thing to take over your business. And so my wife and I now, we have our... Because we always forget. Like, they only call once a year. It's like, what is our gas company's name? Is it just <laughs> like, So we actually have by our phone in the house. It's like, this is the company, the companies that we work with. So when people call, my wife... My, it's my favorite when they call and they get my wife. Because my wife is not someone who likes to call people out. But they it makes her so upset. She's like, you're a liar. You're a terrible human being. Why would you do this? You, you know what you're doing. Why are you like this? And she like she just puts the worst yeah. guilt on them. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love it, but it, but 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 it still happens. And it's and I I look at it like whenever like I've had like Bell come to my door and knock on the door and be like, we have this great offer for you, but it expires the moment I walk away. Yeah. And in those moments, I'm like, well, don't walk away. Then I'm gonna get Rogers on the phone. You stay here, but I'm gonna get them to give me a counter offer. So if that's this is how this is gonna play, I'll play. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to just accept your offer at the door and, and abandon this company I've been with for five years or whatever. Yeah, and if they're even from Bell. No, my, my feeling that is like whenever someone tries to pressure you into making a decision in a short amount of time, they're, yeah. they're scamming you. Oh, almost every time, yeah. 
You know, because it's like there's mm-hmm. no reason to force someone into a decision other than that you don't want to give them time that's to That's like think. the classic well, age-old agent scam. I don't know if that still happens where, like, you go into, like, a, a background agent or something and they're like, you're going to be a star. You just need to spend $500 on headshots. headshots. But yeah. you have to spend it right now because as soon as you leave this room, Cause, oh, your it's talent disappears, apparently. Yeah, it's a deal. It's a deal yeah. today. Yeah. But, uh, I know sorry. you're not serious. Yeah, I walked that- into one of those offices once. They gave me that whole speech. Fortunately, I was like, um, as, even though I think that perhaps I might have some talent, I don't believe that anything I've done in the room up until this point shows would convince it. anyone of it. And also, I don't believe it expires when I walk out the door. Yeah, no. I mean, a real agent says, get photos wherever you want. Um, and bring them back as long as they're quality. Yeah, and I don't and a want a real any- agent says if I want you, I'm going to wait a week. Yeah, and I don't want any money from you because yeah. that's not how this works. Yeah. I get yeah. money when you get paid. Yeah. But it's 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 tapping into that flattery too. You well, want to believe that you got some sort of magical talent that people can spot across the room. Well, you I mean what con artists do is they tap into people's uh, you know, worst qualities whether it's insecurity or whether it's it's a lot of time it's greed. Mm. You know, and and pride and these kind of things like you, you're tapping into those emotional qualities that kind of forego rationality in the moment, mm-hmm. and that's all you can do is just exploit the weakness that people have. Like mm-hmm. uh, the one thing that 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 big con book stresses over and over again too that the reason why that, that how con artists are able to sleep with themselves mm-hmm. or sleep with themselves, live with themselves, <laughs> sleep at night, sleep at night. I uh, thank you. Is because they're like, you can't con an honest man or woman. You know, if someone is honest and good, it's like they won't let you because they'll see you coming. They'll know what you're doing and they'll, they'll get out of it. But it's like, but if someone's greedy or someone's like trying to pull a fast one, it's like, those are the people you can get. But, it's, but you can't get them if they're an honest, good person because they won't let you. Well, you can. I mean, like if that, if at the opening con in this in this case, if the guy had decided to take that package to the destination, he would have just taken a bunch of Kleenex to the destination. Then he would have felt like an idiot. But I would, my argument would be that there was enough clues and enough things that guy showed in that opening that they knew that he was not going to do oh, that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they could feel better about it, but like... Maybe. That one might be, that one might be true. Yeah. That one might be true. Yeah. Oh, Rufus is snoring. Uh, so any final thoughts? Uh, How does this inspire you for what you're working on? Um, or does it? Well, no, it, it was a really good, um, it was really good sort of investigation of the psychological tactics. So I think, I think maybe in the Ponzi scheme that I'm doing, you know, it's it's a totally different setup. It's not like a, sh- a show like that necessarily. But Ponzi scheme artists are very charming and very convincing, and they're they're relying on people's psychology a fair bit too. So those tactics. Yeah, they still play. Yeah, and what's interesting is I was told um, that a lot of the time with these Ponzi scheme artists, people won't testify against them because they believe they're even late in the scenario they believe they're going to get their money back yeah well and that's part that's part of the game is like it's the long that's what they call the long con mm. because or the big con or the long con because they want you to believe 
that 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 you can and the the one the fascinating thing that came out of this this big comic book too is they they talk about how it's like some of these people that they pulled grifts on mm-hmm. they came back and they were able to get them again because they believed that it's like well they just you know because they kept the con going and made them feel like everything was real they just you know they ran out of luck that day and so yeah. they, they they go back they go away and they raise more money to come back to like, I think I can win it this time yeah and it's like oh no okay. Yeah. Come on in. And they find another way to do it. But again, it's greed. It's like, you know, that person should, if they weren't trying to, if they were just trying to earn a nice, honest living and make money the way you should make money in this world, but it's like they want it, they want something fast and quick uh, and that they, they don't really, didn't really earn just by getting lucky, right? Yeah. Because mo- most of these, like the, the, the proper cons are ones where it's like, look, I've got an inside thing. It's like we're doing something a bit shady, but we're gonna make a really fast buck. So mm. they're, they're they're and then the reason why they can't even go to the police and is because they were breaking the law. It was a bit shady to begin with. Yeah, then you then you've got them. Then you've really got them. Because they can't they can't go to the cops and say, hey, I was trying to do this illegal thing, and then I got swindled. Yeah, it's like mm. <laughs> hey, because Robert Shaw even says it. Uh, after the poker game, he's like, "What am I supposed to do? Uh, accuse him of big cheating better che- than me?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's part of it too. Is like even then he can't go anywhere and talk to anybody. He can't admit what happened because he was cheating first. <laughs> he just yeah. got him better. Great. Wow. Well, good two, luck. Two thumbs up. Two. Oh, great! I'm so happy. I I I had this moment before he came over going. If Jackie doesn't like this movie, I don't know if I can be friends with Jackie anymore. <laughs> there's, there's, because I'm, I, 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 I'm a big believer in everyone's allowed to have an honest opinion of a thing. But I'm like a movie like this. I watch this and I'm like, I don't know how anyone can walk away from that movie without a giant smile on their face. It's and just very it. satisfying. I'd love to meet I love, someone. Who I love like in that movie. films in general when they you, you set up a bunch of dominoes and you like knock them down really well later on. I really like that when that when that knockdown happens well. It's very satisfying. Yeah, that's and that's what this movie is. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I, I uh, like meeting someone that doesn't like the sting is like meeting someone who goes, I don't like music. <laughs> and it's like, you mean it's like a genre of music? It's like, no, all music. Just don't like it. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. It's like, oh, I don't. <laughs> They're a fascinating species of human to me. Yes. Well, I'm glad. You, I'm glad you loved it as much as I love it. I do love it, and thank you so much for having me here. It was very fun. Oh, thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for The Sting. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.